0: Greetings fellow geeks, this is Troy, one of your hosts of Geeking Off The Page. Just to let you know that at the time of recording this particular episode, I had run into quite a bit of technical difficulties and was not able to participate in this podcast. However, the others had assumed that I would be able to have enough time to be able to record my own input into this particular episode. Unfortunately, because of the season being Christmas, I was not able to. So please continue to enjoy the rest of this episode of Geeking Off the Page with your hosts Mike Kitchen, Trevor Brown, and Gavin Burbage. In a world overrun with an infinite amount of multiverses originating from a plethora of sources, four longtime friends band together to try to make sense of it all and present it to an audience in an easy to digest podcast. This is Geeking Off the Page.
1: And welcome to a supplemental episode of Geeking Off the Page. Now, I know in an. Last episode, we said we weren't going to talk about Spider Man.
2: Well, now we're going to
1: talk about Spider Man. So,
2: but now we are.
1: Yeah. So, uh, this is Trevor, Mike, and, and Gavin. And unfortunately, Troy can't join us right this very second, but he'll probably be joining us in some sort of magical of editing. But uh, yeah, this is going to be a spoiler cast. So, if you haven't seen Spider Man: No Way Home, pause. Don't listen. Go to the theater watch the film come back hit unpause and and you'll be good. We're also going to talk about Hawkeye episode 6 um and mainly we're doing this podcast now because if we try to record on our usual day of Saturday which is Christmas uh you better check the obituaries because there will be like you know some dead people There will be us. cold in the stocking as well as some other orifices yeah
2: and I, I for and... one value my balls exactly so we're gonna talk so about festive, um, Gavin <laughs> Jingle balls. So we're gonna talk about what should we do?
1: Spider Man first? Get that one out of the way. Yeah, let's do Spider Man first. All oh, well, right, we're gonna talk order. about Spider Man first. Um, so in the event that you can't remember what happened in, in Spider Man No Way Home, um, <laughs> <laughs> just, you know you saw it and you thought, huh? And then brain damage set in. Um, so Spider Man No Way Home uh, carries on directly after. Uh, Spider-Man: Far From Home, which was the one with Mysterio. So, if you I haven't seen that one, pause, pause the, the podcast right now. Watch it. It's I think it's on on, on Disney. If not, it's you can get the, the DVD or the Blu-ray. Just watch it and then come back. Anyway, so this happens right after after Spider-Man: Far From Home. Um, now we're no way home. So Peter Parker's identity has been revealed to the world uh it's not going well um so you know parker his girlfriend mj his friend ned and his aunt mayor have all been are all being interrogated by the the department of damage control they finally show up um and so they lawyer up and who gets to show up as peter parker's lawyer anyone anyone want to spoil it for them daredevil daredevil matt murdoch and not just matt murdoch Charlie Cox from the dare from the Netflix Daredevil series, Matt Murdoch. And it shows that he's he's not just some general guy named Matt Murdoch, blind, even has his powers when he catches a brick thrown through a window. That's one thing I was so happy to see. You too. Yeah. Oh. Um years
3: and years of these Photoshops going around, like ever since far from home, where like Spider Man's obviously gonna need a lawyer. And people had always done those photoshops. And it's like
1: if they don't do this, then everybody should just be fired. Yeah, but they did, and they
3: did
2: just it. give it up on Marvel completely.
1: So, anyways, from that point, um, something is mentioned to Peter about if people would just forget that he's Spider Man, and he decides what's the best route to do this? Magic. Uh, let's go to the you know person he knows who's, who's pretty good with magic, Doctor Strange, so which is funny. Feeling- I gotta cut in here real quick. Remember
3: what happened in the comic books when he was trying to convince everybody he wasn't Mephisto?
1: Yeah, well, Mephisto. there was
3: that, but there was also the time where Daredevil put on the Spider Man suit so he could walk around as Peter Parker, and Daredevil was dressed up as Spider Man. It's like your lawyer
1: could have solved this. We did, yeah, but I, th- I think Charlie Cox has a different physique than uh, than Peter Parker, so it's it kind still of the Stark a... suit, nanotech man, either way. So, anyways, I mean, yeah, what if it would have formed fit him, but it would people would have been like, hey, not quite the same size. Anyway, so... We could have finished the movie at six minutes in. Yeah, so Parker convinces Strange to cast the spell, but in casting the spell, they keep trying to edit it and revise it, and the spell goes awry, would be a subtle way of putting it.
2: Anyway, when you're editing a Word document with uh, pictures.
1: Exactly. (laughs) When you're trying to make...
3: When you're trying to make a movie and you keep getting the executive producer notes, same kind of thing. Yes,
2: yes. So...
1: um, But the spell kind of works. Hmm. Um, So Parker, uh, well, he's holding it back from working because things aren't going right. Um, But it's caused rifts in the multiverse. Yay, multiverse. And uh, so Parker has gone on to, he's trying to chase down an MIT, uh, uh, like, I can't remember what it's called. Basically, it's like the person who decides who gets into school or not to... Because all him, MJ, and and Ned have all applied to all schools, all the tech schools to be together. And they're hoping upon hope that uh, they can get into the same school. Now, unfortunately... When that doesn't
3: happen, of course, what you have to do is memory wipe the world and uh, cause a rift in the time-space continuum, obviously.
1: Why not? So anyways... So while he's on the bridge, convincing this uh, this MIT person, who attacks, but Doctor Octavius, and not just any Doctor Octavius, the one from the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man Two, Doc Ock, um, uh, Alfred Molina shows up, and you know, Spider-Man's he's wearing the Iron Spider outfit, so he's got some some extra arms. Doc and that Ock's was a satisfying entrance. Dr.
3: Octopus shows up. That was so satisfying.
1: And Dr. Octopus is fighting like I would imagine him to be, you know, using those arms to throw cars and just cause massive. I mean, eventually, Doc Ock gets the upper hand, traps Peter up against a pillar, and is just about to kill him. And then you know, Peter pulls his face back, and, and that's when you know Doc Ock realizes you're not Peter, or at least not the Peter he knows. But he's ripped off a chunk of the nanotech suit. And the arms immediately start adapting the nanotech down them. And he Doc Ock even goes, ooh, nanotech. Um, Gives himself an upgrade. And while they're talking, uh, a pumpkin bomb is dropped onto the bridge. Green Goblin's here. From the first Spider-Man movie with Tobey Maguire. So that's two villains so far. Um, Now, at this point, um, Peter goes to to Strange, Strange. You know, drops Doc Hawk into a a magical containment cell, upgrades one of his web blasters, and they says, use this to capture the others. Um, Says, you know, at this point, Strange had just captured the lizard in the sewers, um, taking some damage, and says, I think this guy's this way, go. He, you know, Peter goes swinging into the forest, ends up meeting Electro from the amazing Spider Man 2, the one with Andrew Garfield as well as Flint Marco, the Sandman, from the third Tobey Maguire film. Luckily, no Venom. Uh, So, for Grace was busy. Yeah, he was was real busy. I mean, he's re-editing stuff. He's he's really good at it. Anyway, uh, Strange makes the comment that all of these villains perished at the hands of Spider-Man. And this is something that the Tom Holland Spider-Man, it doesn't sit well with him. Um, he feels that they're, they have the, the means to change their fate. So him and Strange kind of disagree. There's this beautiful battle in the mirror dimension between Strange and Spider-Man where Spider-Man realizes everything's running off of basically a type of fractal geometry and uses it against Strange. Ends up trapping Strange. Either
2: Parker smarts.
1: Yes, exactly. It's not just all agility and web swing, but using his brain because the Guy's quite quite brilliant. Ends up trapping uh, Strange without his sling ring in the Mirror Dimension. And then he gives it, the ring to Ned Leeds, which has some consequences later. Um, Says to the villains, if, if you let me help you, I can help change your fate. Doc Ock is immediately, no, no, because he's still under the influence of the four AI tentacles. Everyone, I mean, Green Goblin's willing to give him a you know, give him a chance. And then at this point, Peter and may are living with happy Hogan in his apartment because they can't go back to theirs. And happy has the fabricator out of the, the, uh, the, the, Stark jet that was in the second movie far from home that allows them, you know, using an arc reactor and whatever materials can pretty much create anything you can imagine, you know, um, and so they create a new inhibitor chip for Doc Ock that allows him to, you know, as he calls it, it's, it's quiet in his mind for the first time. He doesn't have these AIs battering his, his subconscious and telling him to do things. From there, he, you know, they come up with a device to help um, Electro. They come up with a formula for, or they start to come up with a formula for the lizard uh, who's, you know, hiding down in a truck, but Jay Jonas Jameson got a tip off. So he's there, he shows up. Things go to hell rapidly when Goblin shifts between Norman and the Goblin, uh, and we finally get to see just how strong and good of a fighter the Green Goblin truly is. Because we really didn't get to see that in the first movie. This Man, one, how he...
3: psycho he is! Yeah, like and... that's the thing that got me even more than the strength and the fighting skills—the absolute psychosis, exactly. without the Mickey Mouse mask to cover it.
1: Yeah, yeah, it was it was an amazing, like, you know, William Defoe can really act his ass off in this film. Like he when he does the switch back and forth between Green Goblin and Norman Osborn, it is incredible. You almost it, believe it was, it's two separate people.
2: It was like a mask. Like he just put on the mask, the Green Goblin mask, put on the the you know the William Defoe neutral mask. Like I was, still
3: he, wish he had the rubber mask, and I wish they. <laughs> at least they got the costume closer. I loved with like the ripped hoodie and you got the purple and green. Yeah. And again, William Defoe's face is like, okay, he's pulling off the goblin
1: face. Just even without after, the mask, like, he can do it. Bethadactor, actor. He's, he's got but it. At, at this point in the film, when the villains kind of, you know, flip a bit, cause you know, uh, Electro realizes he doesn't like being, being depowered and he can sense the power coming from the arc reactor. And that'll help complete his transformation into a full electro. Um, as as we said, Green Goblin goes full Goblin, and you know the 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 lizard jumps into the fray. At this point, lizard and and uh, Doctor Ock kind of fight, but most importantly, um, May gets killed, which is a big moment because she, you know, as as uh, Green Goblin escapes. He sets it up and and may t- gets a hit from the glider and and she's she's killed, but not before saying the iconic words: "With great power comes great responsibility," which is a telling point later when we cut right to Ned, who's playing around. He's just gesturing and talking and he's making sparks. And eventually, he is. They're saying he they they got to find Peter Parker, and he where. You know Strange struggled in his film to make a portal. Ned does it like on his third try.
0: That's um, one yeah. where my
3: kids picked up on that when he was just flipping his fingers around and his yeah. sparks talking about. He's like, Whoa, wait a second, what's he doing?
0: Yeah, and, so okay, Ned...
3: I didn't actually like this part that much. You didn't? But my kids, because they're such Harry Potter fans and all that, it's like, Of course he's a wizard. He could be a wizard. And they really loved
1: it. So and I, I kind of liken that because Ned is. I mean, A, he's a big nerd, but B, he he believes. Yeah. Like he even mentioned he he couldn't believe he was in the sanctorum for the very first time. So obviously, I mean he's a big fan of Dr. Strange, a big fan of magic in some way. So and he always talked about his grandmother said she always had the the touch or what whatever.
3: Yeah. So at least they, they set
1: it up. Bad. They they yeah. set it up. So he makes a the main a thing is that my kids loved it. So yeah. Okay. So he's they're looking for Peter Parker. So he makes a portal and we see Spider-Man. And he comes running up and steps through the portal, pulls off the hood. And it's Andrew Garfield, the amazing Spider-Man, um, which was amazing. And then they're Maybe. like, no, 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 Pete, Peter Parker. And they do it again. And who steps through the portal? But Toby Maguire looking as looking like a youth pastor, which was a hilarious <laughs> line. Oh, man. Um, and they have a bit of a battle between them. And at one point, they they tell Garfield to prove that he's Spider Man, so he wall crawls across the ceiling and removes some cobwebs. And then, you know, Tobey Maguire shows up. And second, they see each other, it's like their spider senses go off, and they immediately do a quick little battle back and forth. Um, and this is when they realize that it's not just villains coming through, but heroes as well, other Peter Parker's, other Spider Man. Um, eventually, they, they all reunite. Um, you know, try to console. scene. Though.
2: What a scene when when they're when they're all gathered together. When
1: all three Spider-Man meet for the first time, it was a tough scene. Um, oh. and they real it was because at this point, you know, the the Tom Holland Parker is he's they're consoling him over the loss of May. The other two have not lost their their May's yet, but they've lost their Uncle Ben's. And it was it's almost like the the Martha from from uh Batman Superman, but it's the amazing, you know, with But actually with, good. With great responsibility, come you know, with great power. Comes great responsibility. That's
2: how they kind of bond. Um, I was I was super impressed with like the the, the emotion Andrew Garfield was w- had uh, like the the way they uh, when the villains were brought in uh, like mo- the, the the split second before their death these P- these Peter Parkers were brought in right then and there at their at their time yeah, at that particular time
1: in their lives. So you know like. You know, uh, Garfield has already he saved the lizard, but you know, uh, Electro died. For and I love G-
3: the line where he says, "At some point, I stopped pulling my punches."
1: Exactly so,
3: this one what took a little bit of a dark turn.
1: Yeah, that's bitter, you know, Garfield is the one that took the dark turn because he lost Gwen. Um, and you know, then you have the Toby Maguire where you know Green he killed Green Goblin by getting out of the way. He lost Doc Ock who sacrificed himself and you know sandman is still alive but you know his friend isn't harry osborne isn't so it was a nice changeup of seeing how they coped with it um so the three decide to work together I, love the line, thing- I
3: always wanted a brother
1: yeah and there's the great scene where they're like you know mj comes up to parker and says here you go and, and oh thanks i need some refills and what those. oh these are the, the cartridge for my web fluids and 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 uh uh, what's it Toby no and McGuire uh, Andrew Garfield says yeah you know every everyone's while, you know run low and Toby McGuire's like web cartridges what do you need those for yeah and then shoot so shoot some webs those that came out of your wrist does <laughs> web come from other parts of like you and they're really like how does that does that your body make it inside I don't even want to talk there and even talk about the whole web block he had in the second movie where he, yeah. he lost faith in himself. Yeah. Um, which was a nice way of calling back to some of the events of the other films, which this movie does really nicely without making it like jumping in your face. Like, Hey, watch this film because this happened. Um, and so they decide to, they're going to trap the villains. They, they come up with the, basically the antidotes and cures for the various villains they, they're going to be facing. And they go to the upgraded statue of Liberty where instead of her holding her torch, she's holding Captain America's shield.
3: I still um, don't understand that. That I, confuses I the hell out of me, but okay. It's a good spot we'll, for a fight.
1: We'll go with it. And so they're using Ned as a way of getting things there and stuff like that. And he ends up inadvertently freeing Strange, who's been in the uh, the Grand Canyon, he said, for a while. I guess Several I can't hours.
3: Yes. Um, Which is basically what he did to Loki.
1: Yeah, right yeah, go, in, I've been right falling right for in. half an hour. Um, so they go through the fight, and at one point, um, Holland Parker gets Osborne, and he's going to kill him. And um, but Garfield, uh, sorry, Tobey Maguire's, uh Spider Man stops him, um, and Osborne stabs Tobey Maguire. Um, that Peter Parker, not fatally, but you know, I
3: drastic. thought they were gonna kill him. I would have been so I thought I thought, I thought for sure. It's he like, was, oh, was you better die. not, you bastard. Um, but he walked away. At, That's good.
1: At this point, the contained spell, but so Goblin bad. had put a, a goblin in a goblin bomb in it, so it explodes. The spell is cast. Um, that returns everyone to the respective universes still alive, which is the big telling point. Um, and you know, there's a little bit of, you know, thanks for the help sort of thing. See around strange is struggling to, to contain all the tears in the multiverse. Um, and that leads us to the end credits where we see venom and Eddie Brock still at this resort. Um, drunk and the spell rips Eddie and the venom symbiote back to their respective universe, but leaves a little bit of the symbiote on the.
2: I called part. it. I called it. Called it. I'm so sure I think this is how the venom Holland
1: Spider Man is going to get himself some some uh, some venom. And then we go to the end end credits. Now, I I saw people leaving the theater at this point. I'm like, what the hell are you doing? Do you not know about Marvel films and their end credit scenes? And they do a whole thing with. Dr. Strange meeting Wanda. And basically this is the lead up to the multiverse of madness.
3: In fact, it's the trailer that was released today. Essentially the trailer
1: released today was basically that whole thing with a couple of little extra added bits. Mm-hmm. So that was the film um, right now. The budget for the film has been released at 200 million. As of earlier this week, it's already made $750 million in theaters this movie is going to be an unrestrained juggernaut at least until New Year's. And the thing that's funny with this is up until now,
3: with all these other, what I would call, woke Marvel MCU movies using COVID as an excuse. Oh, well, we didn't get the box office because of this. We didn't get the box office because of that. It's like, no, how about you get a good Spider-Man movie with three Spider-Man, a whole bunch of villains. We actually pull it off. Take that. Mm-hmm. Like it's it wrecks the narrative.
1: It really does. It it it, it spoils their whole. Well, we, we can't. We're not making the money we could in the theaters because of, of COVID. Well, obviously, I mean, this movie has been out for a week and they've already three quarters of way to a billion dollars. Yeah. If COVID hadn't been around, would have been, would it have made more already? Possibly. Probably. Oh, i It
2: oh, I'm probably sure it would. would have
1: already cracked. It would have a got billion. a
3: couple hundred dollars more off of me if it. Yeah. Like, I mean, but even under the circumstances people still want to see this movie.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, now I'm going to ask Gav, first reaction to this movie.
2: What, what was it? Holy shit. I can't believe they pulled this off. That's, that's, I, I all of the rumors that we've been, we were hearing. Oh, it's uh, Charlie Cox is gonna be in as Daredevil. And, and uh, uh, you know, oh, Andrew Garfield and uh, uh, like uh, Toby Maguire. All of the other, all of the other villains from all the other Spider-Man movies. Oh, how much of this is spe- pure speculation, and how much of this is actually real? Because I mean, you know, you had Andrew Garfield denying everything again and again and again, and you know, you you know, it's Marvel's narrative basically saying, nope, nope, confirm nothing, nothing is uh, nothing is real until you see it in the theater. But I just came away unbelievably satisfied with how they pulled this off. Everything came together uh, as well as I think they, they could have. They could have done it. Um, I, I there, there was not a moment in that in that film that I think was wasted.
1: Thank you. All right,
3: so I kind of have an interesting perspective on all this. Um, to lead up to it, again, we saw this in a drive-in. We got home. My daughter pulled up in the car behind us. My two daughters got out of the car. And they came running up to me, eyes wide open, excited. Dad, Dad, what did you think of the movie? And I was trying to formulate a, a way to say it. And then my oldest daughter said, wait, Dad, no. If you're going to say anything bad, just don't say anything. Don't ruin the moment for us. But like overall... I thought it was an amazing movie. It was an ultimate roller coaster movie. It's the kind of thing where you get in front of that screen, you buckle up, you have an amazing ride for two hours, and you get off. You go, Wow, that was awesome. Although it kind of reminds me of like in Star Trek, the Alorians like a guy in on 10 forward, looking at the drive-in screen out in space and saying it's a good movie, but it isn't a Spider-Man movie. Like it's not right. Something feels wrong. You know, so it's this big epic Avengers event level movie again for Spider-Man. And it has all this cool stuff, like all this multiverse stuff, all this crazy stuff, all these villains, but it's still not quite the Spider-Man movie I want. Like, that's not what I'm looking for when I go to see a Spider-Man movie. Now, I'm glad they did it. I enjoyed the ride. It was super fun. But the thing that got me is the very last shot of the movie where there's the sewing machine in an empty apartment. The classic Steve Ditko suit is with the material sitting there. And finally, we see the Spider-Man that I've always wanted in all of these movies and it got me super pumped for Spider-Man four. So as far as the rest of the movie, like, so that was the complex thoughts I was trying to explain to my kids, but the rest of the movie, they pulled off some amazing things. Like the amount of villains that they crammed in, it shouldn't work. It's like, come on. Didn't you see what Sony did with the original Spider-Man three? Like, no, somehow they crammed in that new villains and made it work. Not only did they cram in that many villains, they crammed in three Spider-Men, Doctor Strange, all the other extra characters, Jonah James, like damage control, daredevil, like and it worked. The, the movie flowed and it was okay. I didn't like what they did with Doctor Strange. I thought that was a stupid thing for him to try and mind-wipe the entire universe so that Peter Parker can go to MIT. Like, to me, that's just bonkers. I didn't like the fact that he lost the role of Sorcerer Supreme. It's like, so he was gone for five years. Like, if Wong could have been Sorcerer Supreme the whole time, they should have gave it to him while he was hanging out in the library. You know, like, it should be Doctor Strange. The whole movie was him getting that title. And so to just casually throw it away, that part I didn't like. And I thought we were going to have more of a payoff For the multiverse, so it kind like it shows that there's rips in the fabric of space time and the whole multiverse of madness. But I was kind of hoping that there would be a little bit extra leftover that would tie into Doctor Strange. So that's something that I would have liked to see. Uh, My son asked me what my favorite moment of the movie was, and you know, aside from that last classic Spider-Man shot of him swinging through New York. I would have to say it's the three Spider-Men working together. And pretty much the whole family was unanimous on that. Just seeing Andrew Garfield, Tobey Maguire, Tom Holland, just like riffing with each other. That was a delight. And that's something I never would have thought I'd ever see in a Spider-Man movie. So that was really fun. The overall thing people didn't like, and this is across the board in the family, was the fact that everybody forgot spider-man or peter parker and you know it's the kind of thing we get in comic books where it feels like a little bit of a cop-out where it's like oh no now all those old back issues don't matter anymore it's like okay you still have the stories you know you can still enjoy them but there is something that's lost with all the character development and you just wipe it clean so that part made me feel a little bit empty inside uh, as far as the Aunt May dying, I didn't like that. Like, it, I realized that for the dramatic arc, Peter needed to have somebody die because this version of the MCU Spider-Man, they never talk about Uncle Ben. I just assumed this moment happened already, but they didn't show us because we've already seen it so many times. But to have Aunt May fill that role, like. I don't know. I I didn't like it. You know, if you could have killed anybody else, you could have killed MJ, you could have killed Ned, you could have killed Happy. But I think Aunt May needs to be there. So that part kind of bothered me. But you know, even though I was hoping for more of a Kraven's Last Hunt story, that's all really that's the movie I would want to see. Like everybody knows he's Spider-Man, Kraven shows up and he's like a bounty hunter trying to take him down all that said as far as a roller coaster movie i strapped in i enjoyed it and i'm happy i got to experience it
1: trev all right um for me so i saw this with uh a friend of mine and his son um and an audience full of people who are diehard spider-man fans i mean People kept losing their shit throughout the movie. Um, Every time a villain showed up or every time a different Spider-Man showed up, people were losing their minds. Uh, What I think worked is, as you guys have said, they managed to take three Spider-Men, five villains, and Strange, and J. Jonah Jameson, and throw them all the screen at the same time, and it didn't fall apart like it had for spider-man 3 or for justice league or other films like that where you have an ensemble cast everyone felt like they got a quality screen time um and it didn't turn into just hey here's another person cameo here's another person cameo here's another person cam it it worked um the emotional ride of tom holland's character you know the the shock and disbelief of being outed the you know him like coming to that that realization of you know what he needs to do losing may and not using not abusing his power to get revenge um and i what i think was telling was the other spider-man's their telling of you know like toby mcguire said you know he he feels responsible for the death of ben he could have stopped the man responsible for killing his uncle ben um garfield he lost his mj and he got redemption in the film by saving an mj but he still when he goes back to his universe his multiverse mj's still gone and that's still on him well gwen stacy We'll go ahead and But, but yeah, the equivalent
3: character. The,
1: the, yeah, very equivalent character. But you can see where you know each character has their arc and and some redemption. Like this time, Peter and Doc Ock, or the, the Tobey Maguire, Peter and Doc Ock got to reconnect. Um and it was such a strong empower- and power, and and you know, when Parker and Parker and Goblin got to reconnect or, or Osborne. So it, it was nice seeing those kind of like a little bit of redemption for the other Spider Men. I agree with you, May didn't need to die. Um, I think they could have, you know, yeah, grievously injure her, have her give that whole, you know, with great power comes great responsibility. Doesn't succumb to her wounds, but maybe unconscious. That's when the police roll in. What would have been more telling is at the end of the film, after Parker says, you know, cast the spell, you know, he casts the spell. He goes to visit May and she doesn't know who he is. Right. That would be so much more haunting. That not only haunting, but such a... You know, instead of him, you know, interacting with his friends, but not telling not saying, oh, by the way, I'm Peter Parker, you should know me doing that scene in the hospital with his Aunt May, yeah, making yeah. that having to make that decision of, do I go in and try to convince this woman who's trying to who's struggling to, you know, with these wounds to, to struggle for life? Do I then try to convince her that I'm her, her, her nephew, and you've known me all this time? Or do I turn and walk away? And her never knowing that she had a nephew, Peter, that he was Spider Man, and all that sort of stuff. That I think would have been a bigger emotional punch to the gut than just killing her off. I agree with that 100%. Um, I mean, he still could have wanted the revenge on Osborne for almost killing Aunt May, like getting her to that point that. Oh, yeah. Or he could still have that. Yeah, right. And he could even think of that point, like up to the point he thinks she's dead because he didn't know. And then. You know, something like at the battle, you know, Ned screaming, no, no, you know, Peter, stop. She's alive. She's, you know, she's still alive. And then you don't need Toby catching the thing. He's like, nope, nope, can't kill him with his own glider. Um, something like that. Like a, a... the MCU has a habit of killing off people that they shouldn't be killing off. Uh, Crossbones, Frank Rello's character should not have been killed off. Um, you know, Baron Strucker did not need to be killed off. Um, just stuff that, like they, I said, they just have a habit of killing off the villain unnecessarily. Um, because then you have to like, oh, it's an alternate version or it's a different dimension or something's happened and here comes this guy and you're like, Hah. like Killmonger did not need to die. Yeah. Um, which is going to make it tough to how they put him into Black Panther 2. Anyways, Um, So, I mean, in my opinion, May didn't need to die. We didn't need her death to motivate Spider-Man to take on Goblin. And as I said, it would have been a bigger mindfuck if she got affected by the spell too. He goes to see her in the hospital and she doesn't know who he is. At first she thinks he's like an orderly or something. Um, Because you could have her under police guard. So he like puts on a set of scrubs and goes into the room and she's like, oh... Um, I've already had my temperature taken or I've already had my blood pressure taken. And he's realizing she doesn't know who he is. I you know. Does he plead his case or does he walk away? So that's one of the, the, I mean, there's a couple little points like that throughout the film that I didn't like, but overall, I mean, I had a great time watching this film. Um, it's easily, I'd say in my top six Marvel films for the MCU. Um, maybe even top five I'll have to do a you know careful re I'd probably want to see the film again um to really cement down because I mean also I was exhausted when I saw this film I'd had a pretty full day uh so when I saw it it was late at night As that I had a full day of stuff going on so also I hadn't eaten since like lunch so I was starving the whole film um so yeah, I need to watch this film again to really place it where, you know, in the, what, 27, 28 films in the MCU so far, um, where this falls for me. But I know it's within at least the top six. I had such a good time watching this film. Part of it was the audience. But, yeah, there's just little niggling points that that keep it out of the top three. Um, I think at best, this might, this might hit number four, but I don't think it's going to crack my top three. Um, that being said, I think this movie perfectly sets up the Dr. Strange movie, which is just around the corner, like March. You know, we're like two and a half months away. So um, this, yeah, this movie really, really sets up the multiverse of madness. Um, And yeah, it's in some ways, you know, you can call this almost like a Back to the Future 2 where it's kind of transitioning us into the next film. But I think this movie holds enough as a story on its own, that it doesn't have that Back to the Future two feel. Oh, I think so. I agree have. with that. Um, but I think also using Strange and the multiverse as a way of bringing characters in and stuff like that is a great way of setting up Strange's movie, which will be a great way of setting up the Ant Man movie, the the you know Quantum Mania. So I like. May sixth, fact- by the way. What's that? May sixth. Yes, with all of so- the delays. So I, I like the fact that they're they're using one film to set up the next um, in a thoughtful way. Not just like, hey, uh, and uh, yeah, the cube suddenly shows up in the next film. Um, so, and they're tying it into the, the series they're doing on Disney Plus. Um, I kind of like how they're kind of bringing it all together, um, which this movie really encapsulates that idea of, pulling stuff from the Disney plus shows as well as giving stuff the Disney plus shows, as well as pulling stuff from the other movies, including the Sony movies, which I think really is now setting up Spider-Man four, which we're going to see Spidey in the black symbiote costume. They've, they've got to do that. They really do. As, as you said, Mike, I really like seeing Spidey in the Ditko costume. Um in that whole sequence, I was just like, oh, because especially when you see like the little bit of red and then and and the little bit of blue, but you couldn't really see how much of it and you see him running and you're like, that is like right out of a Ditko panel.
3: Oh, and it's full comic book coloring. No fancy extra tech. It's just like whatever he was able to salvage from the old suit. So I'm sure he's probably still going to have the eyes and that. Yeah,
1: thank God. not going to have the goggles. Um, (laughs) So yeah, I was I was very happy seeing, but I know that's going to be the costume that the, the symbiote is going to jump on top of and turn into the black suit with the, the white bands. And I'm looking forward to that. I really am. Um, so yeah, I had a great time at this film. Um, at some point, we'll probably hear Troy's thoughts. Um, any other final notes before we jump on the next yeah, thing? Yeah,
3: one thing that has to be said is Andrew Garfield in this movie. Like, I am so happy for him as an actor to have a redemption moment like this, because honestly, when all three Spider-Men were on screen together, I think he stole the show. And to come off of the horrible, amazing Spider-Man movies, I could not stand those. But just to have a chance for him to step back into the ring and kind of be like, hey, guys, this is the kind of Spider-Man I could have been. And it was a delight the whole way through. I was so impressed with his performances. The whole first appearance where MJ's making him stick to the ceiling and Ned's mom wants him to clean up spider webs off the corner. and Like the whole performance was incredible. Like from that appearance all the way to the end of the movie, all the way to saving MJ from falling off the building or Statue of Liberty. Mm-hmm. You know, such a powerful moment. Such powerful performances, but yeah, I would really say Andrew Garfield stole the show as far as the Spider-Man battle of the performances.
1: Now, it's, it's funny. I mean, I've seen Tobey Maguire in a lot of films, so mm-hmm. we've seen, you know, he has a great acting range. Yeah. I mean, I know Andrew Garfield's been in a fair number of films, but I haven't seen him in a lot of stuff. I saw him like The Imaginary of Dr. Paranasis, um, obviously Amazing Spider-Man 1 and 2. Um, But it wasn't until I saw him in Hacksaw Ridge that it showed how, how broad his acting range is. And I was kind of worried when, you know, I saw him in no way home. I was like, Oh God, is he going to be in that limited range that he gave himself in the amazing Spider-Man films? And he didn't, he, he let himself open up wide. And like, you could tell when he was like emotionally hurting and when he was talking about, you know, you know, losing gwen or when his uncle ben died you could see it in his face and hear it in his voice and i'm like this guy is a kick-ass actor like even the meta comments yeah it's like
3: oh we're looking for the real peter parker oh thanks or yeah. you know oh i'm Spy- it, i'm peter three
1: yeah or, right. or, or when they're talking about you know like well i've i've been to space and 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 fought an alien and like oh geez and and well, i've fought his aliens and he's like oh, man according to next to you guys i'm nothing like no no you're amazing you're amazing which was a nice thing of the amazing i found a russian guy in a rhino suit (laughs) yeah it's like no you're amazing um but it was just like garfield really i think of the three he was the actor i was most riveted to when when they were on screen together because it was just he just really let his acting experience Mm -hmm. guide him and it was just an amazing performance on his part
3: I think Toby McGuire didn't have as much to prove because he's the OG, right? So he took more of a subtle approach, like the elder statesman and the big brother of the trio.
1: It was, uh, it was, it was
3: nice. And and even so, the whole like
1: youth pastor, and he just pulls his collar down. And you see the Spider-Man outfit there. Oh, that was great. It was, it was that, and and the organic web shooters, and and just the, uh, yeah, it's like he's been there, done that. He's the yep, oldest yep. of the three. He's gone through everything they've gone through in some form or another. Mm-hmm. Um, it was funny when they do the whole backtracking thing and, and he's like, oh my back, because you know, when he lost his powers there and he landed on the car, oh my back. It was a nice callback to that. And then you yeah. know, crack your back. Oh, I feel so much better. So yeah, there was there's a lot of little moments like that that each actor got onto and and really, you know, did well with it. But I, in my opinion, Garfield was the best of the three.
3: I thought he was great. And the fact that the actors didn't try and one up each other. They yes. stuck to their own characters. They did their own thing. That way, when you see the three of them on screen together, it's not like they're trying to be the same I, Peter Parker. It's like no, yeah. like this is my character. This is the way I'm portrayed. This is them. my Peter. This is right. my Spider Man.
1: And that made it so much fun to watch. And they even fought differently, which was nice. Yeah. Like, you know. So yeah, it, it was it was fun to watch them as Spider man fighting the various villains and the way they would fight it was it was great to see and then when they finally you know realized they had to coordinate themselves you know and then suddenly it was even better
3: yeah and then the science bro sequence where they're they're trying to figure out all the antidotes for everybody like even that was fun it was so yeah great roller coaster of a movie you know it definitely has some plot holes and some things that could be better
2: could
1: be.
3: However, but... that said, considering what a bonkers movie it was, how enjoyable it was, I mean, I'm glad I saw it. Me too. All right.
1: Shall we shift gears here, gentlemen? Let's shift. All right. So let's uh, you know push in the clutch and, and change some gears here. So today, uh, Wednesday, um, the 22nd, I believe. Yes, 22nd. Was the final episode of the six episode uh, series of Hawkeye on Disney Plus? Um, so we have talked about this series so far pretty much at length, but this was the, the Hawkeye final didn't episode. die. Spoilers. This was the final climatic episode uh, before whatever the next Marvel Disney Plus offering is going to be. Um, and this was the longest episode to date at, at, at one minute short of an hour. Um, and they crammed a lot in that 59 minutes. And yes, as Michael has just spoiled it for us, Hawkeye didn't die. I'm glad that, that that your prediction came up false, Michael. I am too. Um, so does someone else want to give the the recap, or or we who wants to do it? Well, not everyone stick your hands up. Jeez, please, God. Oh, so I'll good. give a recap. Yeah, you do a
3: recap. You're good at the all recaps. All right, all right. I'm so good at the angry rants and all right so the end comments.
1: of end of episode 5 was finding out that uh uh Maya's uncle and um Kate's mom's business partner is the kingpin Wilson Fisk so it starts off with so Eleanor meets that's Kate's mom Ele, uh, meets with a kingpin and says she's got to break off the partnership now what was interesting is he fisk was dressed like when he normally like normally we see him like you know with a the white white jacket the you know the shirt the 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 cane is an affectation as he walks sort of thing and she says all right i'm done he says you know your your husband owed a lot of money before he died and she's like i paid that off tenfold and she's like you know now that my you know she killed armand which was a huge revelation the old man at the start of the at the start of the series She framed her own fiancé. But now that her daughter's involved, and there's an Avenger vault, but now that her daughter's here, she wants out. And she gets up and leaves the room. And Vincent's face, as it twitched, you could see the anger, and he's holding it back. But he's not happy. And as is later alluded in the episode, he will act out in a big way. You don't slight the kingpin. Now this is christmas eve this is the big bishop party um and this is where you know kate confronts her mom and says i know about Armand. i know about your fiance i know about the kingpin mom what the fuck um which is nice um and then there's a meeting between the kingpin and maya and Kazi's there too and maya just says you know she realizes that going after the, her father's killer was wrong. So she's going to need a couple days to kind of put her head on straight and everything will be fine. She leaves and instantly the Kingpin's like, she's turned on us. He's read her intentions so clearly as if she'd had it written on her forehead.
3: I love how quick he turned.
1: That yeah. was great. He, he just, just, he knew. And he even did this whole thing, you know, Maya, I love you. And she's like, Oh, I love you too. And she second, she leaves. The, I think as she was leaving the room, because she's deaf. He just turns to cause She turned on us. And that Eleanor is going to be a problem. So he's going to use the, you know, the, the, the bros to, to kind of solve all the problems all at once, um, which was nice. Um, it kind of really showed just how smart the Kingpin is. Um, and just, yeah. So, and it was a nice, you know, it was a nice inter- reintroduction of, of DeForio to people who may have not remembered him from the Daredevil series. Now, at the party, it's Barton in a tux and, and, and Kate in a dress. And they have backup, which is all the LARPers as the waitstaff, which was a nice touch.
3: Especially um, because they're first responders. They're firemen, cops. Because yeah. like, at first I thought, wait, he's bringing LARPers? No, no, no. These
1: guys are actual law yeah. enforcement and first responder unit people. So that makes so sense. so they're expecting the tracksuit mafia. And it was while he's being handed a drink. Kazi's in a building across the street, which I think was stupid because he's got a sniper rifle with a laser laser sight. Anyway, the laser sight's playing off the wine goblet, and he realized what it is, so pushes people out of the way. He uses the 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 tray to deflect the first bullet, and then runs as that guy keeps shooting as Kazi keeps shooting at the glass. I
3: did love that bullet deflection. You know, it shows that That Hawkeye. You know, it's uh, being like, Hawkeye. if he was baseball, you know, he'd be hitting every single ball. It's not just shooting things. It's like, and you know, if he was a bullet was can a pitcher, come and you can yep. Yeah, if it was
1: a pitcher, he'd be throwing strikes every yep. time. Yeah. So yeah, so he gets the LARPers to evacuate the party. Um, and what's funny is, so the swordsman's there, he's out of jail and he's wearing a sword. Okay. Uh, these things happen. Um, so it's Oh, uh, how does how to say this? The fight in the building was great because Yelena showed up and Kate and Yelena like, Yelena's like, Oh, I'm gonna go go kill Barton, and Kate's like, I, I can't allow that. So they end up going in an elevator together, and there's this whole hand to hand combat sequence of Kate's trying to hit all the buttons, and Yelena's not letting her, and, and finally she succeeds when she slaps What was that for? It's like, I don't know, and then they hit the buttons. And that's when it's revealed Kate's wearing her, her new archer outfit and Yelena's wearing her Black Widow outfit. And they had this beautiful sequence of running through the building of Kate trying to stop Yelena and Yelena kind of fighting her off. And it was, I, I had fun with that sequence. Those two play off each other so well. Um, Barton has fired an arrow at Kazi that fills the room he's in with gas. Um, that and- was a
3: great moment, too, because when he fired the arrow, and he missed like what in the hell and then gas it's like oh okay. oh
1: that's what it is yeah it would have been nice if he'd like pinned the rifle to the the ceiling and then the gas <laughs> as well but yeah. you know you can't have everything um anyway uh so hawkeye jumps out of the building uh the the line he's on breaks and he ends up in the tree uh with an owl a little baby owl in the tree and Kate shoots the guy wires off the tree. And then she shoots an acid arrow into the trunk and chops down the tree. At least she said timber and down comes the tree and, and, and Clint. And now they're on the ice. They're on the skating rink uh, by Rockefeller plen- center. Um, and there's a, I mean, all the, all the tracksuit mafia guys show up. All and w- we get to see trick arrow after trick arrow going off, which was so much fun. Um. It got ridiculous, but I didn't care. I didn't care either. It was like I was waiting for the the, the boxing glove arrow. I really was because I, I mean, what else could could been pulled out? Um, Maya shows up. She kills Kazi, um, which was big. Um, and Kate's still looking for her mom. Barton and Yelena start fighting on the ice, and Barton is basically he's. He's not putting up a big fight. He's trying to tell Yelena the truth about Natasha. And Yelena doesn't want to hear it.
3: I got to say that moment made me hate the Yelena character. I I was getting kind of pissed off. It's like, this isn't a character I can care about anymore because it's just too psycho and crazy. And I think, well,
1: things she didn't want to believe. She she wanted someone to blame for her sister's death. Um, as bad as the Black Widow movie was she just wanted someone to blame for, for her for her sister's death and, and Clint was the last one to see her alive and so she's blaming him and eventually he he gets through to her and basically proves that using that the, their family whistle that he did know Natasha and knew, knew her well I was surprised he didn't say he named his last son after her. Like his last kid was named after Natasha. Nathaniel Mm -hmm. was named after Natasha. Um, So she decides to walk away. Uh, Elena realizes that Barton's telling the truth. That Natasha did sacrifice herself to save the universe. Clint didn't kill her. Um, So she walks away. I know we're going to see her again soon. I really hope we're going to see her in something very, very soon because she's too good of a, an actress, too good of a character to waste. Anyways, we get back to Kate Bishop's mom. Is She's jumping in the car and realizes that her chauffeur's dead. And the king puts there. He rips the door off the car. They have to use Jaws of Life to do that. And he does it with one hand.
3: I thought he was going to start knocking some heads
1: off with that door. Oh, he could have. But this isn't um, Netflix. But yeah, and and Kate shows up and she fires an arrow at point blank range right into his chest. And he just yeah, doesn't phase him. And then she goes to fire like a grappling arrow and he catched he caught the arrow from that shorter range. The man is not human. That is some some reaction time that is like superhuman.
3: That's really like Kate.
1: What were you thinking? Doing the grappling arrow. I mean, yeah. seriously, come on. You and she should use the pin arrow on him, which is funny enough. We did see when the 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 you know the bro trucking truck comes up over to going to crush them, and she fires the shrinking arrow, and the tiny little truck squeezes up to a stop. Like, huh? So what happens now? And that's where the baby owl comes in, because the baby owl took the the tiny truck away, solving that problem neatly. Baby owl uh, needs the snack. It does. It does. It's like just got to open up the can to, to get the the goodness inside. Um. Anyways, so Kate and the Kingpin fight. And uh, yeah, Kate, I think finally got an education of when you're fighting someone with super strength. Um, yeah, all the arrows in the world aren't going to help. I mean, she, she finally is able to use the coin trick to set off a bunch of arrows after he had taken all her arrows out of her quiver and snapped them and just dropped them on the floor. And she was able to use the, the coin trick to kind of set them all off in one big explosion, including the very dangerous arrow. Um, but it wasn't enough to stop him. So, Kate um, has already called the cops. Her mother gets arrested for the murder of Armand. Um, and th- th- this whole thing, is this how a hero acts? And I thought for sure Kate was going to respond with something like, this isn't how a daughter reacts, it's how a hero reacts. You know. But I think they handled it pretty well. Kingpin has escaped. when, the, By the time the cops go into the store, he's gone. He's limping. Car pulls up. It's Maya. She pulls a gun, sticks it in his face and the camera pans up and we hear the sound of a gun going off and a gun flash which for anyone in the comics realizes she just shot Kingpin in the face. Um, He ends up going blind in the comics so we're going to see how this kind of pans out. Um, The next day, Christmas morning, Barton pulls up at the Barton family farm and he's brought Kate and Lucky with him. I was really kind of hoping he brought y- Elena Yelena with him as well. That would have been a nice touch. Um, and then at, at the end, Kate and uh, Barton go out to the you know out to the barn and they open up a you know barbecue grill and they burn the Ronin suit on, the barbecue. They, well, on those the barbecue,
3: they the steaks and burgers are gonna taste like
1: crap. Mm, they're gonna then. taste like ballistic fabric. And then the best part of the whole episode, in my opinion, get through the credits. And it's one of the musical numbers from Rogers the musical. Was that your and, favorite part? That was one of my favorite. That capped it. I mean, I liked the episode. I really did. But capping it because,
3: oh, my family just, cringed because.
1: Okay. I think I've I've seen enough Broadway plays that sometimes they are just beyond hokey, and they had teased it at the first episode, and I was yeah. like, and they'd even released some of the soundtrack on YouTube, and I'm like. Yep. They've got to do something with that. And they did. Which also means that when they filmed that sequence for Barton. They did the whole goddamn number. Which is even that much. My only wish was at the end of that number. To cut to the audience. And there's Yelena rolling her eyes so hard you can visibly hear it. That I would think have it the...
3: needed a punchline. That, it, yeah, they the needed thing. Yelena
1: kind of sitting in the, in, in the audience just like. Oh.
3: You know what yeah, they, I wanted to see in that one? I wanted to see Old Man
1: Captain America watching. That would have been too. Either Old Man Cap or Yelena.
2: Maybe even sitting like a seat apart from one another and just
1: both of them That'd rolling their eyes.
2: I that could have would have seen, been a perfect cap. I could have seen Yelena just sit, sitting there doing like that Nelson Muntz uh, thing when he's watching, uh, what, what what was that, the singer, Andy something? Yeah. He's, he's sitting there with his eyes shining going like,
1: yeah, that or just, just you know when she did that ha! sort of laugh just just something like that they, they finished off just like I, I, yeah I just wanted to see it like an eye roll or something it would have yeah. yeah old cap would have been great too just like the oh
3: <laughs> it's like this is my legacy okay. <laughs>
1: yeah um, but yeah it was great that they threw that in there I, I really liked that it was a nice point because I, I knew there was going to be an end, end credit at some point and they were either going to set up the next Disney Plus see, uh, series but I'm glad they didn't because this gives us a little bit of gap Mm-hmm. um but also yeah seeing the, the the full number from that it was just it was great because it, it just they had so much of it in that first episode i wanted to see that whole sequence i just want to see how bad rogers the musical really was so we're going to start reverse order mike what were your what was your uh, impression of episode six hawkeye
3: um hawkeye survived hey um so that was cool so I'm going to jump around kind of all out of order since we got the whole thing in chronology already. Uh, when they were walking up to the farmhouse right at the end, again, Ultimates Comics, I forget who it was, but the SWAT team that comes in and basically kills Clint's family. Mm-hmm. I, I was like, oh, no, Kingpin sent his men. They're going to be in the house. You know, his family's going to be dead. <laughs> all my kids start screaming, no! <laughs> but, you know, fortunately, you got a happy, you know, family reunion i think they could have done something like that just to show how menacing kingpin is that yeah he's already dispatched the squad of hitmen and one last fight inside the house i thought that could have been cool i wouldn't want any of the family to die but you know that would have been a you know kind of a nail biter ending what is up with the watch that was a MacGuffin like crazy. I like, know it's a shield watch, but it's, it's I
2: can answer that her
3: shield watch. Right. <clears throat> so she's an agent of shield, but
2: she's Agent 17.
3: Agent 17. Explain who Agent 17 is.
2: Mockingbird. Oh. Uh,
3: so they're just wiping out the Agents of Shield, because Mockingbird's on Agents of Shield. Yeah,
2: they, they I know she should be it's not Canon.
1: Okay. Yeah. Well, Agent 13 is Sharon Carter. Yeah. Agent 17 is. Agent 17 was Miss Marvel. No, uh, was it? Are you sure? Yep. I'm just looking it up right now. Carol Danvers. uh... Yeah, she was Agent 17. Agent of AIM who volunteered to test Miss Marvel's costume.
3: Yeah. So, anyways, I, I was wondering if that's what they were hinting at, but just because 19, sorry, it, I watch Agent think... 19.
1: Yeah. Agent 19 is Barbara Bobby Morse, who is okay. Mockingbird.
2: Sorry. 19. Sorry. I don't know why I have 17 on the brain.
1: Yeah. What, what you well, it's these midnight podcasts. You know,
3: yeah. sometimes we get things wrong names, dates, facts, information.
1: It's all good.
3: That's what we do here. So, um, it, so then, that
1: would be the theory that Laura Barton is actually Mockingbird.
3: Okay, so if that's the case, that's kind of cool. But again, that kind of you know messes with the whole Agents of Shield thing. So,
2: yeah, but I, that doesn't exist in the Marvel Cinematic Universe now. They've just struck it struck it from the record. So, yeah,
3: yeah. So, anyways, that was a weird one. Um, what did you guys think about Kingpin with his Hawaiian? outfit because i for me i was thinking this is his introduction into the marvel cinematic universe and he starts off with the netflix outfit you know mm-hmm. i would have liked to see the purple come in and lose the goofy hat that kind of threw me off even though it's like the festive hawaiian kind of well, when, when we
1: first see him he's in the the white shirt or, or, or white yeah. jacket black shirt which was is it, like
3: the but, netflix outfit essentially yeah.
1: I think the the Hawaiian outfit was, when because when we first see it like that, he's dealing with Maya, so he's trying to be like the friendly uncle. Yeah. Um, He's not in the full kingpin regalia. So I think he's doing the friendly uncle, and it just could have been... definitely
3: in a Christmas party scene, so I'm sure that's his festive outfit.
1: Yeah, so I think it was kind of nice seeing him in the, the Hawaiian thing as him, you know, maybe he didn't have time to change back into the The thing, the hat was kind of ridiculous. I thought Uh, so.
3: And especially because, again, because this is the first appearance of him with all these characters, it's like, let's just stick to the canon uniform. Like, especially because this is the one he ends up fighting Kate Bishop in. You know, so if this was just a throwaway scene in between, then I wouldn't have a problem with it. But because this is what he's wearing in the big fight at the end, yeah, that kind of bothered me, uh, and I did not like how so, easily King should beat him.
1: I'm gonna say the the Hawaiian shirt was in. I'm hold on, I'm trying to think. Spider Man's family business. Okay, look up the the family business, the Kingpin family business. Spider Man. It's a Hawaiian shirt he's wearing. Um, and I think that's very, like, I think it's the same pattern too. Um, which was a nice throwback. I just, I remember, I mean, it's triggering my memory. It's taken a while. Um, yeah, he's wearing like this, this ridiculous Hawaiian outfit, a uh, Hawaiian shirt, but it's from, oh, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's from, from, from family business, um, which is, I believe is leading up to when, Echo shoots him in the face. So it's a nice way of kind of tying those together. Um, I might be wrong, but I think that, I think that is that's the here we'll share that for the record.
3: So I'm assuming that's it.
1: That's it. Yeah, that's It's 100 and including the hat. Yeah.
3: Yep. That's him from Family Business. <laughs> um, and then I like how the quote here. Everybody talks about how the MCU should be more comic accurate until Kingpin wears a Hawaiian shirt and a hat. That's kind of funny.
1: Yeah. All right. So fair so, enough. Yeah, it, it makes sense. For that. But also for me, it was just because when you put him in the black shirt or even what the, the ass got and stuff like that, mm-hmm. he has a, a certain level of menace. But he's if he's dealing with Maya, who he's supposed to be the friendly uncle in, that would make sense for him to wear something a little bit more friendly looking. Yeah. Um. Even though she's going to shoot him in the face. <laughs> um. <laughs> I can't get over the shot in the face because it's yeah, it's funny.
3: Yeah, And so, I didn't read that stuff in the comics. So I was, wasn't sure how that worked. I loved yeah. black widow running out of the building and then Kate Bishop trying to do the same thing and, and uh, failing by doing it the same. I did not like Clint and the Christmas tree because that got back to the whole Kate Bishop. It's like, well, oh, I'm going to shoot down the tree to help get you down. It's like, come on, he's an Avenger. He can get out of a damn Christmas tree that gets into her kind of silliness, but eh, we'll let that part go. Um, Oh, there's something else I want. Oh, yeah. And then just the Elena stuff where it was you know, just that bad attitude of the character. who's like, oh, I'm going to kill Clint because of what happened to my sister. And first of all, I didn't even like the whole Black Widow thing with her, with the family and the sister. And again, I don't know if any of that's in the comics or not, but that stuff I just didn't do anything for me. The Black Widows are supposed to be kind of isolated and the Avengers is supposed to be her family. So this whole thing with the sister, like
1: I think in her mind, this was kind of like a twofer. She was being hired to kill Clint Barton and she was going to kill Clint Barton anyway. So it's, you know, imagine being paid for a job you're going to do for free anyway.
3: Yeah. Yeah, And fair enough. But just because that plot point
1: doesn't connect to me, I'm like, "Mm, yeah, yeah, I I agree. I mean, I've already said why I didn't like the black widow movie and how they could have fixed it. So,
3: yeah. And then I thought the kingpin was kind of nerfed in the fight with Kate Bishop at the end. Like I thought he could have, like, he could have been a lot more savage. This girl, yeah, her first superhero gig.
1: Well, he wasn't. He, he wasn't gentle. I'll, I'll say that he wasn't gentle with her in any way.
3: Okay, that's one thing that was awesome because you see that this guy is a powerhouse, and every like, time like, he would throw a punch or do something. Everybody like she, in the family, they were jumping out of their couch. So, oh my God. Like when she went he up to do the, funny.
1: like, like the arm bar with the, the leg locker and he just kind of shrugged her off. That was great. We were across the room. Like that was just like, God damn. I mean, she's got to weigh what? 130 140 And she's got her legs locked around his neck and got his arm in a half Kimura. And he just shrugged her off and threw her across a room. That's, I mean, we already had an idea of his power when he ripped a door off its hinges with one arm, like with one hand. He just there we go, door's off. Yeah,
3: but I thought he would have been more powerful and intimidating, just as far as the mob boss. Like, I thought there would be more consequences. I thought, again, he'd be sending out assassin squads.
1: I kind of wanted that at the end. I wanted, you know, Clint pulling up, maybe the family, and then you see, like, a a vehicle... Bouncing its way up the road, and he's realizing, oh crap, this is the hit squad.
3: Yeah. And then you get one more action sequence, like just to show it's like you really pissed off the
1: wrong guy. Even, I mean, they could have even had, you know, Laura show up, you know, not in a mockingbird costume, but something like showing what she could do, sort of thing. Yeah. So, so,
3: anyways, that's my overall view. I thought the ending could have been better, but it's, yeah. It was satisfying. I thought the first three episodes were the best. It was kind of hit and miss after that. This one, okay, it wrapped up. I think, yeah, yeah, a few more plot points, you know, make the Kingpin a little bit more intimidating. We could have had a little bit extra at the end, but overall, I thought it was pretty good.
2: Gavin? I was happy with it. I thought the uh, thought showing off Clint's uh, innate abilities was really starting to uh, come into play here. Make him give him a sort of more of a less of a just a guy with a, a guy who's really good with a bow and arrow, more of a guy who just he hits everything he sees or he, he hits what he's aiming for. Um, his, uh, his little fall into the tree, I was fine with that. I had no problem with that. Um, I, I did start kind of having sort of a little moment of like, oh, come on. When even more and more and more and more of the tracksuit mafia kept pouring out. It's like it, it was like right out of um, Kung Fu Hustle with like the number of like bad guys that kept showing up at like, at like, at like, every, like every, every car that showed up. Sure. Oh, there's more of them.
3: But I actually didn't I, mind that, but I was counting the arrows.
2: But, uh, but I am very happy to see that they were really leaning into the trick arrows. Because that, that was the, one of the things that uh, it was kind of implied with, uh, with, with the Avengers movies. of so, like, he, he had an arrow that could do, like, it, it could, he could hack a computer. He had an arrow that could, uh, you know, like, had a time delay bomb in it. But he didn't really play with the options. I mean, my only disappointment out of that was he did not have a boxing glove arrow.
3: And it was fun that we got to see him build the arrows. That was cool. That
2: was uh, I was that was great. I, I I loved um, I loved when Widow and uh, Kate were, were fighting, and she's like, "Oh, good good hit! Oh, that, oh, that was a really good throw." You know, it's just they were complimenting each other, and I'm like, "Oh, come on, we need to see these two together actually on the same side. It'd be perfect." Um, all in all, I, I I thought I thought it was it was I thought it was uh, it was very enjoyable and. That uh, fight with the Kingpin, I I'm, I, I felt th- it finally made the Kingpin look more like the larger-than-life villain he is. Um, you with uh, with with Daredevil, he was terrifying as 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 the you know the 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 uh, criminal mastermind behind like everything. You know he was he was just vicious. He was nasty. He was he was vindictive, but. Underneath it all, he was still just a regular man in the Netflix stuff. Here, I mean, rips off a car door. Oh shit! And then just his stature, his build—it just felt more on par with what the what the comics kind of portrayed him as. Like, I I seem to recall something where he was pretty, pretty much had so much muscle under under the his bulk that you know he he people would try to stab him and you know they couldn't they they could barely get through the, the the muscle so i mean kate bishop's arrows were probably not that much of a threat to him and just the fact that he's like he's like like one-handed strong-arming her, her around the 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 shop there i i think it's it's really not he, he's he's i think he was even holding back a bit i don't think he's quite superhuman but i think it's like kind of like the rock fighting like revenge of the nerds at this point so uh all all in all i was pleased with where it's going i love the i love the fact that he basically he acknowledged kate as his partner and that you know that that one little line where he like right at the end when they're sitting on the back of the the ambulance you know there's there comes a time when you know like someone comes into your life that that just makes such a, a a difference or whatever it was he was saying and you know, and then he throws her off with uh, you know talking about the uh, you know who, who who's he talking about the uh, one of the cosplayers.
3: Oh yeah, anyway. and making the outfits. That's right. Yeah,
2: making the outfits, yeah. right? So, uh, it, but it it was it was the real acknowledgement that you know this Kate Bishop is something someone important in his life, and you know helps him focus better or or fight better or or just. They were about as simpatico fighting as the Black Widow and Hawkeye were. You know that that back to back. You know they. they, You know, you know he he would take his eyes and and attack a a target like behind Kate. Kate would would uh, would shoot a target coming up behind uh, Clint, and they were they were like perfectly synchronized. So I think they can only go go uh, go go from there.
0: And there was a telling line
1: in this at the the early part of this episode when he called her his partner. Yep. Yeah. Which yeah, was great. nice. Cause, cause one of the early episodes, you know, he's like, you're not my partner. And so now he's, he's acknowledging her. Um, yeah. I, I, I like this episode. I think if I had to rank Hawkeye as an entire series, um, it's definitely better than Falcon, the winter soldier.
3: Oh, way better. There's um, actually something enjoyable in this.
1: Yes, yes. So it's there's. I like the series overall. Um, There was, you know, there was there was a weak episode or two, or or there was, you know, some some weak points here and there. There was also a lot of strong points. I like the fact that we got to see Clint being Hawkeye without Captain America and Iron Man and Thor and Hulk and everyone else overshadowing him.
3: Right. We finally got to see him and see what he can do when the space gods and the Iron Men and everyone else isn't around.
1: Exactly. So it was, it was really nice to see, you know, how, how a, a fully trained S.H.I.E.L.D. agent slash assassin coming into when they're doing their thing, just how good they are. Why um, Hawkeye. Yes. Yeah, and why Hawkeye had been assigned to, to watch, you know, the Tesseract back in the Avengers film. Um, and not just, you know, Oh, we got agent Joe Schmo doing it. So it's finally good to see, him do his thing um now as a quick little side thing so the upcoming series on disney plus um just for this this next year uh we've got moon knight she hulk secret invasion miss marvel and the guardians of the galaxy holiday special that's all coming this upcoming year so that's four series in in a special i have good hopes for that i mean that's
3: what are you looking forward to the most out of that list not including the holiday special because that's an
1: easy oh, one to say. I was going to say the holiday, bastard. Um, I think it's a toss-up for me. I mean, i really, really enjoying the Moon Knight comics. Uh, so I have a lot of hope for that one. I love the She-Hulk comics because they constantly broke the fourth wall. There was so much humor in those books. Um, of the four, I think I'm least excited for Miss Marvel, but I, I, I'm, you know, hoping it sets up nicely. Secret Invasion could go either way. Um, I see. I foresee in that one they're gonna have to have a lot of cameos, and I don't know if they're gonna be able to pull them all off.
3: Do we know what characters are supposed to be in that one? Like, is there any?
1: They're, I mean, right now or is just a bunch of Right now, Secret Invasion is currently filming, so they haven't. Re- I mean, the only, thing, the only people they've they've said as the cast is: we have Samuel Jackson, we have Ben Mendelsohn. And we have Cold, uh, Colby Smulders. That's it. Okay. Yeah. Um, they have not. Let's see. I'm just looking through. Additionally, they have Kingsley Benadier has been cast as lead villain. Uh, Amelia Clark, Killian Scott, Christopher McDonald, and Carmen Ejogo is und- undisclosed roles. Yeah, so, so it's
3: a, probably a bunch of scrolls.
1: Yeah, a bunch of scrolls, and and they haven't announced two, but it's yeah, so. It'll be interesting to see who they do. Um, I think we're gonna see She-Hulk before that. Um, and before that, we're gonna see Moon Knight, which I believe Moon Knight's supposed to, I mean, they're in post-production with, with both of those shows, Moon Knight and She-Hulk. Um, and Miss Marvel's actually in pre and post-production as well. So the one they're filming is, the one they're filming right now is Secret Invasion and the holiday special, is what they're currently listed as status is filming. So so, Gavin,
3: out of that list, which one are you most excited about?
2: Probably She Hulk. Yeah, it's uh, it's one of the characters that I'd been really wanting to see, like in the MCU for a very long time. It's uh, it's always been a very uh, well, the majority of the the Marvel movies have been very very male lead oriented, mm-hmm. and uh, that even before Captain Marvel was announced as as an upcoming you know movie. I'd been saying, you know, where's She Hulk? Why can't we see She Hulk? You know, she is like, you know, she's the perfect, you know, uh, big green babe. Oh, well, that's what it's, I you were it's say. a
1: blend of comedy and action. Yeah, yeah comedy and action. Like those, I mean. Her comics were always so much fun to read. Yeah. So for and me, it, I would have said She Hulk as well, but I'm
3: afraid they won't land the tone. Like, that's the one I would like to see done really well. But I don't know. We'll see. Hopefully, they can pull it off. But because I don't think they'll be able to land it, I there, would say there's it would there's be.
2: one thing that that's that's kind that's kind of me got me on on sort of on the leading on to the I think they're going to pull it off, fence. What's and that? it's that one shot where they're where they where they're standing there looking like Bill Bixby. I think that's I think I think that's that's going to, that's going going to sort of cement the tone, because it, it's it's very clearly going to be a fourth wall kind of thing. Plus, for I me, mean, my, hope comedy.
1: For, my hope for this is the head writer. Um, Jennifer Gao is the head writer. She's done Rick and Morty. Um, she did, like, Kung Fu Pan, Panda, The Legend of Awesomeness, which my kids really enjoyed. Um, so she's, you know, she's done an episode of uh, Silicon Valley. So she's, she can write some comedy. Um, so I'm hoping, you know, I'm, I'm really hoping. That uh, And I think she was the executive producer on She-Hulk as well. So with her as the head writer, I think she's going to be able to put enough of the comedy aspect in. Um, Because, I I mean, for me, I've always believed action is easy to write. Comedy is hard. Um, You know, to to get something that's going to be universally, universally people get, get them to laugh at something without it being like a groaning sort of situation. So... Yeah. That's
3: something that Marvel, I mean I guess the closest is Guardians but you know they keep saying that every movie is supposed to have its own genre. We don't really have a comedy. Again, Guardians yeah. is the closest but if they could do that with She-Hulk where that's like the Seinfeld of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Exactly. That would be amazing. If they, if they can
1: pull that off, it'll be awesome. Moon Knight's going to be all all you know moody and 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 angsty so but that's the character. I mean yeah. It's a
2: guy, if, but, if he doesn't say throw some random shit attack or a random bullshit attack or something like that.
1: Well, I mean, I, the, the character Mark Spector is a guy who has like uh, some psychological issues to begin with. So
3: mm-hmm.
1: it's going to be dark and angsty. Um, yeah, so that's, that's, that's what's coming up uh, for 2022. So I'm looking forward to all those. Um, yeah, so I think this was a great way of ending off the year with Hawkeye. Um, I mean is he stay alive? Well, I guess he did. I mean, next up for Disney Plus is Book of Boba Fett. That's just around the corner, like two weeks from now. So yeah, so that kind of ends up what we were meant to talk about for this uh this podcast. Uh, unless there's
2: anything else we want to bring up. Random bullshit, go there. We go, yeah. <laughs>
3: All right, we just need to make sure that panel is in the show and then it's golden. Awesome.
1: So, with other than what anything that Troy's going to add to the edit, uh, we got anything else to say? Nothing except our collective goodbye. I think we should say Merry Christmas instead. Merry Christmas instead. There we go. In three, two, one, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, Christmas
2: instead.
1: There we go. And that has wrapped up a supplemental episode. I'm going to call it a full episode because without all four of us, it doesn't really work. Uh, it, who knows
3: what Troy does in the editing bay? I don't know.
1: So this would be episode what 197 four? I don't know. 18? I don't know. But what whatever he
3: punches in on the keyboard. Sure. But either way, you got another episode, and you'll yeah, get you just, another one
1: soon. Just roll some dice. Uh, yeah, we'll go from there.
2: All right. So who wants to stop the recording? Mm-hmm. Well, I, I will, because I'm the host.
0: You've just been listening to Geeking Off the Page with your hosts, Mike Kitchen, Gavin Burbage, Trevor Brown, and Troy Bowman. Please be sure to like, subscribe, and share. Also, if you could leave us a rating and comment, that would assist and allowing others to find this podcast more easily. You can follow the podcast on the following social platforms. Instagram and Twitter, search for @planetgeekpod, all one word. On Facebook, search for Planet Geek Productions. Or you can send us an email to planetgeekpod at gmail.com buy the guys a coffee by going to kopi ko-fi dot com slash planetgeekpod and know that any and all donations will go towards improving our current and future Planet Geek Productions programs thank you for listening
2: I got it. It'll be like an eighty-five k, uh, you know, resolution screen screening. Uh, <laughs> it'll, you know, like like two one and a half seconds is will basically overflow Troy's hard drive.
1: It's, this file is only four terabytes. Come on! <laughs>
2: oh, come on! I mean, technically, my computer can like I've got thirty-two gigs, so it could handle some pretty good four k. You know, thirty-two video gigs.
1: That's not that much, Jeff. Thirty-two. I have memory sticks with more than thirty-two gigs.
2: RAM. Yes. Well,
1: no RAM. I got like sixty-four.
2: Oh, fine. Well, you. I mean, you need it. I don't technically need thirty-two right now, but it's nice to have.
1: All right. So, uh, how do we want to kick this off? Do you want me to say something? Sure. Yeah. All right. Well, I mean. Mike's in the one in the festive hat, but
3: You you want to do it like it's a regular
1: episode? I think we're just going to do it like a supplement like, hey, you know we can't do, we can't record on Christmas because our spouses will kill us because that's not far from the truth. In fact, Troy might
3: be getting murdered right now.
1: Mm -hmm. I do in fact value my testicles. (laughs) I don't need them anymore, so I'm good. Yeah. Yours or mine. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Wait! <laughs> don't it's you lay a finger on my radio
2: tools. all
1: right i'll kick something off I'll, ca- I'll count us down ready let me think what i'm going to say